In a world where adrenaline runs high, car chases are relentless, and fistfights are bone crushing. Feel the rush of nostalgia as we unravel behind the scenes secrets. Explore gun blazing battles. Break down adrenaline bumping explosions from the video store shelves like never before. From the action section, the ultimate destination for die-hard action aficionados. Dolph Lundgren is Red Scorpion. Killer action, I'd see it again. Dolph is amazing. What a body. Dolph is hot. Sensitive and strong. He beats Cologne any day. Red Scorpion. Rated R. A year after his turn as Prince Adam, Dolph Lundgren returned from Eternia to again play a tool for the Russians. This time he starred as Nikolai Ranchenko, a Ukrainian Spetsnaz special operative sent into a fictional African country to infiltrate and destroy an anti-communist rebellion led by the locals. Red Scorpion came at the tail end of the Cold War, the Berlin Wall would fall just one year later, and critics were largely over that sort of actioner. However, the movie attempts to do more than the era's standard Ruski shoot-em-up. Ranchenko is our central character, but he is not the hero of the first half of the film. He's an undercover saboteur, an assassin. A fact we know from frame one via a slideshow. Lundgren's Russian killing machine eventually goes in the run with a rebel leader, Kalunda Kintosh, played by Al White and ugly American Dewey Ferguson, played by the ever-venerable Emmett Walsh. The two even engage in a battle of wits around a campfire about how saying fuck is a god-given constitutional right that filthy commies wouldn't know anything about. When Nikolai notes that Russians can swear as much as anyone else, Ferguson leaves in a huff. Lieutenant Nikolai, we are free to swear. Dewey Ferguson, well, you be the fuck guess I got you bastard figured out totally wrong after all. I'll take first watch. Shit. He walks away. Dewey Ferguson. Shit, shit, shit. Lieutenant Nikolai. Doisy little fuck. One of the producers of the film, Jack Abramoff, expressed dissatisfaction with the final product, deeming it to be too violent and profane. This is ironic on many levels. Firstly, Abramoff and his brother Robert are two of the three credited screenwriters who wrote the dialogue, if not them. Second, Jack Abramoff was a Republican lobbyist who helped create a pro-freedom, anti-communist group it just so happened to be funded by dollars from the apartheid regime of South Africa. Nothing says pro-freedom like racial segregation dollars. I want to move now to the story of Jack Abramoff. In the 90s, the Washington lobbyists began showering gifts on lawmakers in return for votes and tax breaks that favored his clients. All of that came crashing down five years ago when Abramoff pleaded guilty to corrupting public officials, tax evasion, and fraud. He served three and a half years in prison. On last night's 60 Minutes, Abramoff told Leslie Stahl exactly how he used his clients' money to buy powerful friends and influence laws. I was so far in it that I couldn't figure out where right and wrong was. I believed that I was 
among the top moral people in the business. I was totally blinded by what was going on. The film functions more or less like a comic book hero origin story. A bad guy, super soldier, is sent on a moral mission but fails and is left for dead. In the wilderness of the bush, noble indigenous people save his life from scorpions and the elements. They rehabilitate his broken body, mind, and soul, eventually empowering him through an elixir to become a warrior for good. Interestingly, all of that takes place over the course of the last mm, 45 minutes of the film. Should the film have hurried up and gotten Lieutenant Nikolai to see the light in the first act? Does his eventual but predictable conversion come too little and too late? I'd argue yes, but there's no arguing over propaganda. Make no mistake, that is what Red Scorpion is. It is a fantasy in which Russia's great soldier is saved by magical people of color and returns to fight the good fight of the grand old party. We watch as village after village is burned to a heap by state-of-the-art gunships. The Russians, Czechoslovakians, and Cuban forces are clearly evil for these atrocities. But again, this is coming from the mind of Abramov and the money from the apartheid South African government. All of these facts make several choices in the film all the more interesting. Why center the story around a Spetsnaz soldier at all? Why have a protagonist not change his ways until the last 15 minutes of the film? Why have the lone American be such an obnoxious buffoon? I don't necessarily disagree with these choices as much as I'm fascinated by them. The rebels are being carpet bombed well into the third act, and Rachenko is just then learning how to hunt a wild boar. The deliberate choices in character focus, delayed transformation, and the portrayal of ongoing destruction are fascinating. These choices, while puzzling, create, again, a fascinating layer within the narrative, particularly when juxtaposed against the ongoing devastation faced by the rebels. Red Scorpion is not merely an action film, but a canvas upon which ideological clashes and propagandistic elements intertwine, leaving viewers with a tale that is as much about the story as it is about the intricacies of its creation and its underlying themes. We must get away from here. Go back to our homes. Wash out the bitter taste of defeat. We are beaten. Let's kick some ass. I give Red Scorpion a two out of five. Nineteen eighty-eight's Red Scorpion was selected by Elite Patron Nerdrovert. Thank you for your service, Nerdrovert, and your generosity throughout the years. God bless you, sir, wherever your adventures may take you. If you'd like to select a movie for me to review from the action section, become an assistant manager today over at Patreon.com/slash/binge-movies. Until next time, binge on. Binge on.